maintain his position north of here. Good. General, give us a one-mile perimeter. Forget it, Richards. You had your shot, and you blew it. This is a military operation now, so jam the signal, get out of the way, and let us do our job. You don't understand. No, you don't understand. So let me make it clear for you and your pack of freaks here. I'm the quarterback. You're on my team. Got it? But I guess you never played football in high school. Did you, Richards? No, you're right. I didn't. I stayed in and studied like a good little nerd. And 15 years later, I'm one of the greatest minds of the 21st century. I'm engaged to the hottest girl on the planet. And the big jock who played quarterback in high school, well, he's standing right in front of me asking me for my help. And I say he's not going to get a damn thing unless he does exactly what I tell him and starts treating my friends and me with some respect. Give him what he wants. I'm so hot for you right now. Me too. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. And um, it's been a week for you guys, but it's been only about five minutes for us. Kellen Conley is back. Kel, how you doing? I'm great, man. G- glad to be back. Very glad, glad to be back. Glad you could find your way back here. I mean, I know it was a, yeah, <laughs> a long trip to the bathroom, back to the seat, but I, I made it. I made awesome. it. Awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, so I don't, I, in those five minutes, I assume there's nothing else that has caught your interest that we could really talk about. So I think we should just jump straight into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we can totally get this, get to this. I'm Although, ready for it. I will say that I can see it on the, on the video, you've got that spider Gwen poster behind you. That is really awesome. So I, I, I do note that. Thank you very much. I got, I got Spider-Man 2009 up there too. So. Oh, I can't see that one. That one's just yeah, he, out of, he's a little cut off. Range. Yeah. I may have to bring him down maybe. Okay. Um, but yeah, I love that Spider-Gwen poster. Anyway, that, so that, that's the, that's the things that's caught my interest in the five minutes is that poster. There we go. <laughs> um, but anyway, today we are talking about the, the second of um, Tim Story's Fantastic Four movies, uh, Fantastic mm-hmm. Four Rise of the Silver Surfer from 2007 um which this one you know we got basically the whole cast back um including you know everybody's favorite uh julian mcmahon is doom Woo! Uh, but we also get some new people in this we get andre brower as uh general hager uh doug mm-hmm. jones playing the silver surfer lawrence yes. fishburne providing the voice and um bo garrett as um uh frankie ray who in the comics becomes nova another hero yeah. of galactus very true yes 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 mm-hmm. uh so let's jump into that what did you think of um uh rise of the silver surfer i remember watching this movie perry in the theater and i, I was like sitting there and then like the, the wedding got interrupted at the beginning and i was like i was like oh that's classic ff and then mm-hmm. reed and sue were having problems because sue sue wanted sue wanted to have a, a, a fancy wedding everything and then fantastic four just kept getting away essentially because they're always saving the world at this point they're the biggest superhero they're the only superheroes in this world mm. <laughs> so so they're constantly saving each other's butts or saving sa- saving other people's butts rather and then they introduced the silver surfer and they nailed the silver surfer i was like 
I was like, yo, they, they, the, they, the, the, the talk about the FX, let's jump right in that. Mm. The FX and the Silver Surfer is beautiful. Um, he, he looks like he's glowing. The board is awesome. The, the whole, there's not a moment when he's on a screen that he doesn't hold your entire attention, Doug Jones, yeah. that is, as a Silver Surfer. So that was very cool. I was like, yo, they're going to pull this off. They're going to pull off a Silver Surfer story. And then, doom showed back up and i was like yeah and then suddenly doom got cured which we'll talk about and Mm -hmm. he looked he my face is normal so you guys should trust me and they're like oh yeah that's a great idea and i was like i was like oh that's a classic swerve where they're trusting the bad guy and the the ff's gonna have to work their way around that and then they were switching powers back and forth which i thought was a very cool dynamic because i never remember reading any issues where they changed powers i'm sure they have because Mm -hmm. there's many issues with the fantastic four of course they've switched powers at some point but I really like that plot device in the film uh, where the power cosmic had affected Johnny and then all of them were switching power. So that was cool. And then we, we kept moving right along and they're like, oh, there's this, this world eater that's coming. I was like, yo, they're going to introduce Galactus. They're mm-hmm. going to do it. This is going to be so cool. <laughs> we're going to see Galactus. I can't believe this. And then ultimately when Surfer decided he was going to fight back against Galactus and they took on Galactus, they took on a cloud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we saw Galactus's head for a few minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and and then I think a few that, minutes is maybe putting it being generous. Seconds, seconds, seconds more like it. Sorry, seconds. And then they, they beat the cloud, and then Reed and Sue got married, and then there were oh the Fantastic Car was there, which is very cool. Fantastic Car, yeah. Um, and then that was roll credits. So rather than being disappointed in in Doctor Doom, where not as disappointed by him this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely disappointed with the delivery of Galactus. And all I can say is my friend Prophet looked at me and he said, dude, can't believe it made Galactus a fucking cloud. <laughs> I was like, me neither, man. Me neither. <laughs> all right. Um, so before I go into my thoughts, I did want to talk about um, what our departed buddy Derek said about this. Because he had... Okay. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, before Derek uh, started doing, before I, I roped Derek into doing this show with me, he used to, he did, he was mostly known for writing movie reviews online. And great he wrote reviews. great movie reviews. And and I found this one. The site's still online, by the way, uh, DerekLFerguson.wordpress.com. You can find a link uh, at SuperheroCinephiles.com under our works. Um, but anyway, he's he wrote a review of Rise of the Silver Surfer back in 2011. And uh, there are two, just these two paragraphs I wanted to quote here because I think they sum up a lot of my thoughts. Okay. Uh, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer has something that, for me, places it head and shoulders above a lot of other superhero movies. At last, we've got a superhero movie where the superheroes are actually having fun being superheroes. The Fantastic Four are media darlings. They live well. They obviously have money. They're respected by the public. There's not a whole lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth and woe is me, why was I cursed with these powers here? I think that the filmmakers honestly tried to bring this, tried to bring to this movie that sense of wonder that comic books used to be about, and I think they pulled it off just fine. The story takes us all over the world. There are incredible gizmos and gadgets Mr. Fantastic pulls out of his hip pocket every five minutes. The family dynamics of the characters is, is given just as much time and attention as the menace of the world being eaten. Johnny gets an interesting character arc where by the end of the movie, he's grown up a little and has learned something about responsibility. The Silver Surfer is surprisingly faithful to the spirit of the comic book character. That's not to say the movie made me do cartwheels of joy in the aisles. Much as mm-hmm. I, and I just got a picture of Derek doing cartwheels. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. 
Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Derek was a pretty big guy. So that would have been yeah. fun to watch. That have been quite the feat. Yeah. Uh, that's he not... probably would not have gotten up for that. He probably, probably like, not. Get me off this floor. <laughs> yeah. That's not to say, uh, much as I like Julian McMahon, I still say he's badly miscast as Dr. Doom. And there's actually no reason for Doom to be in this movie at all, except to have an obligatory fight scene at the end. But at least in this fight, I could tell what was happening, unlike any of the fights in Spider-Man 3. It was never explained to my satisfaction why or how Doom was resurrected and restored to normal. And even several of the characters in the movie demand an explanation from Doom. He just gives them a shit-eating grin and goes back to greasing the general. Ian Gruffudd and Jessica Alba actually look as if they're really enjoying acting together, while Chris Evans and Michael Chiklis once again prove that they have actually read some of the comics because they hit exactly the right note of, in the relationship between Johnny and Ben. And even though much of the, of the story elements were taken from the cl classic Galactus trilogy, it still ain't that story. <laughs> All right. So those are that, those two paragraphs, I think, is a good summation of Derek's thought. And because he was such a big FF fan, I thought it was important to give his words uh, some note in this episode. And that's our whole episode, guys. Thanks that's it. That's it. We're done. Thanks for listening. <laughs> to the Files. No, uh, no um, I remember being really excited about this movie when I saw that first trailer. And, oh, and yeah. you remember it, they I, I don't think it was a full trailer. It was just that chase sequence between yeah. the torch and the silver surfer which remains one of the best chase sequences in any superhero movie like it's and you know talking about the effects on the surfer like the effects and we were talking the last movie last movie too the effects in this really hold up like they oh, did a man. really great job with the effects this movie looks great it, it look it looks great start to finish mm -hmm. that chase scene like you said it, it's it should be more iconic than what it is but people were just so determined to to dismiss these films mm -hmm. that that they don't go back and really look at them. These films have a lot of fun moments in it. And yes. this one, especially this is the better film. This is the best fantastic four movie that's ever been produced. Absolutely. I agree with your, your tweet from earlier and watching Johnny chase the silver surfer across that sky. And then Johnny ultimately uh, like when he, his flame goes out and he starts mm. falling like, like watching I mean, I, I know that Chris Evans was acting on a green screen, but watching the terror on his face mm -hmm. as he starts to fall back towards Earth, like I, I felt that that that, yeah. that was that was a crazy moment. And and honestly, you could tell also this is the first time Johnny had ever really been bested in that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. It really humbled him, and so I really appreciated that. And then even even though it was a cloud, like the Galactus fight was cool. Uh, we got a lot of the cool, you could really tell the difference between when Surfer had his surfboard and when he didn't have a surfboard, he was way more muted. He wasn't as silvery. Mm -hmm. um, so you could, you could tell that. And then even when doom had taken over the surfboard and became surfer, silver surfer, doom, <laughs> I, I roll and, and sigh deeply. Um, even with him wielding the power cosmic for, uh, for that little bit of movie that he had it, it still came across looking great. So kudos to the FX team on this mm. movie. Well, one of the things I loved about the chase scene, and I forgot this moment was in the movie, but when they go in the tunnel and the surfer flies through the bus, yes. literally flies into the bus and like arranges the molecules around it and just goes straight through it. Right. That was so, so right. And then he, the and then books. he, and then he just comes and he tilts underneath to look back through the, he falls under the board so he can uh -huh. look back and then he goes back up and even johnny's like oh that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> right right because it is like, it is yeah never seen anything like it um and and again kudos to tim story and the whole team 
they brought the Silver Surfer to life. This was the first Herald of Galactus that we met um, in the comic books. And he, I mean, when he was this, he's like, I have to do this and I have to help him feed. And and they they really nailed everything from the Galactus trilogy up until the point where Galactus showed up. So one of the things that always love that. Uh, that annoyed me about the the Fanta- and again this is a 60s thing right but yeah. the whole idea that the silver surfer calls himself the silver surfer and he's riding he is actually riding a surfboard right that's not the case in this movie right the surfboard it's just a disc it's just a, yes. a long disc it doesn't have the little surfboard tail like in the comics it does not um, so they did modernize it just slightly and he doesn't call himself the silver surfer like johnny's the one who gives him that name he's like he looked like some kind of silver surfer and i know what Johnny's that sounds good like. at naming things yeah <laughs> um yeah i i um i was gonna say um i, I it could be a 60s thing uh, of course like you were saying but they did modernize it when mm. By by not making it, but by by modernizing the board and making it more more disc like, like you said. So it, it never really bothered me back then, and it, it didn't bother me either when he was calling himself the. So that's what I was trying to say. Sorry, it didn't bother me when he would call himself third person back then because mm. he was also very much a slave to Galactus as well. Right. So he he probably didn't even think think to think of using those kind of per, those identifying words such as i or me mm. or anything like that because there wasn't any i or me it was only everything was for galactus right that that was the servitude he was under so i i can see that and i'm glad that they didn't do that as much as the movie because it could have gotten confusing really fast mm-hmm. um but I, I can appreciate it both ways yeah um i also i will defend the cloud to an extent okay all right because defend the cloud so first off, this did happen in the comics, right? It was in the the Ultimate Extinction trilogy yeah. um, that Warren Ellis did, and in that Galactus was not a giant guy, a, a giant a giant purple cosmic guy. He was like this swarm of super intelligent machines or something like that, and it did resemble a cloud. So, and at this time, like again, remember this is two thousand seven. This is pre Avengers. We're talking here. I know we're uh, five years away from Avengers. I think if you had had a a giant purple guy with this big ass helmet and being like I hunger, I think most of most regular people would have laughed their asses off. They would have. They would have. I, I don't think that the world was really ready for it at that time. So I will defend the idea of doing it as a cloud <laughs> just on that basis. Like I don't like it, but I understand why <laughs> they did it. Um. That being said, I still think that they tried to cram too much into this movie and they really should have saved the Galactus portion of it for another movie. Yes. Uh, this movie suffers the exact same way from the first movie. Yeah. Because, again, they spent a lot of time showing off the Silver Surfer and, and look how cool Silver Surfer is. And then, and then of course, they're, they're trying to chase down the Silver Surfer and we're trying to separate them from the board. And then they're like, oh, well, we have Doom sitting over here. Let's go ahead and we got to pay Julian McMahon money. So let's mm. have him mosey back into the plot. And so so that's coming up the works. Yeah. And then they, they get him separated from the board. And then Doom, of course, steals the board. And then it's like, oh, Julian McMahon is now super Silver Surfer Doom. And mm. we, we have to go fight him. And oh, by the way, let's kill Jessica Alba for a good what was it? Ten minutes? Barry? Something like that. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Um, let let let's let's kill Sue, which served no point because Silver Surfer Sue's got the board back. He's like, mm. and it was it was 
it was nice touch in the moment. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, good. She's not going to die, you know, because here I am thinking I'm going to get like another two or three uh, Fantastic Four movies probably. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was like, oh, good. So much She's for that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. And but every time I see it afterwards, I'm kind of like, yeah, we, we she really didn't need to die. I mean, I, I know that he cared for her because she reminded him of his people. Yeah. And everything. And then the comic books, of course. Um, didn't he have a, cr- a crush on her at one point? Like, or am I thinking about Na- I know Namor always like, I mean, uh, you know, when you're talking about those early comics, was there any character who didn't have a crush on Sue? <laughs> it's like every I mean, single supervillain wanted to make him make her his bride. I mean, she she was so submissive, Perry. I mean, yeah. how, how could how could a, a regular Joe pass up on but that? But even like there was even like a brief, they even there's even like a brief kind of almost love triangle esque thing, like with between her. Ben and, and, and Reed and no and Reed oh, Ben Ben and Reed because like there was yeah. that the first issue is like I'll, I'll show you what a real man is like Susie and you should realize you should be with me or something like and that and then he punches the tree yeah <laughs> there's like dude you're a monster dude but every, I forgot man, that Sue made everybody horny in those old comics she she really did and you're right because Ben Ben would always make those offhand comments yeah. about like blah, blah blah. If I wasn't a monster, I, I I'd show you a thing or two. And she's like, mm. "Oh Ben, where's Reed?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um. But so yeah, th- there's. A, I'm pretty sure Surfer had some kind of feelings for in the comic books. So it was nice to see that picked up on. Um. But a whole lot of things happening. The the power switching again was cool and ultimately factored into the ending mm. of the movie where to, where Torch took on all the powers. And they, they kind of did the um uh the super scroll thing, uh where the super scroll has like all their powers, except it was just Johnny using all the powers mm. to unite and take out the um take out the doom ultimately and Galactus. Um so again, a, a lot of good ideas. Mm. And you're like, let's let's keep let's put keep adding things in. And all of a sudden they were at, oh crap. We gotta resolve this movie and get Reed and Sue married so they can run off to the next thing. Yeah. We still gotta squeeze all this in. So so yes, I'm with you there. I you know the the power Johnny taking all the powers at the end there. I had a I had an issue with it as I'm watching the movie last night because I'm thinking okay. to myself, I'm trying to figure out how the, the physics of it actually work because all up until this point, every time he touches another one of the team, their powers switch. Like he doesn't right. gain their powers. So I felt like they played up this whole aspect of the power switching for laughs, right? Like, you know, Sue gets lit on fire. Ben does it so that he can, he can turn normal and he can throw a fireball at Johnny and John, so <laughs> Johnny can turn into the thing. Yes. Um, and, but then when that happens at the end, like he touches them all at the same time and suddenly all their powers flow into him and there's no switching going. Right. I think was, like how did they figure yeah. out what was the trigger? Yeah. Was it because it was the, the, the seriousness of the situation. It's like, okay, guys, let's do this thing that we haven't tried the whole movie and we're just going to pour all of our powers into one of us. Right, yeah. So it was a very convenient plot device. Yeah, that was that was an issue I had with, with that. Um, what else really kind of jumped out at me? God, Doom is just so unnecessary in this movie. Just completely unnecessary. I liked him more because he got to be regular Victor more. Like, yeah, once, once he's... he got power cosmic. Uh, or before he got the power cosmic and he got, or I mean, once he got his face healed and he went to the, went and like, I can, I can help the fantastic four. And then they're all like, what are you doing? And like you said, he's like shitting and grin. <laughs> help me bitches. <laughs> you know? um, I, I did appreciate that. But then the minute he got to steal that board and put that cloak back on, it's like, 
okay yeah <laughs> it's uh, okay you're going to get your ass beat again you know i like too that they gave him an actual suit of armor in this movie yeah right he's got yeah. the armor and it's got some tech functions right he's using you know and i did like that I, that was something that was definitely missing because one of the things i think people forget about doom is the fact that the that armor that he wears that's not for show like that's like iron man level armor yeah it, it's fully equipped with everything it's got rocket boots it's got mm. finger guns uh, of course he's always running around with life model decoys of him of his robot of himself doom bots doom bots constantly yeah. fooling people back in the day and it's like i got you doom and spider-man web of robot and he's like haha i'm standing over here and then the doom bots <laughs> ended up being a convenient uh uh plot excuse for a, a convenient why he didn't anytime, die anytime doom did something that a writer didn't like they just be like that was a doom that was a malfunctioning doom bot <laughs> Right. Or how about the time he jumped out of a plane to escape the Fantastic Four and Ben's like trying to reach him mm. and he like he just completely hops out of plane like there's and he had like no of course they thought he just jumped but but once he was far out of eyeshot or eyesight, he uh <laughs> he sprung out a secret parachute. So I did like the fact his armor was more functional and I, I'm gonna say that was probably uh maybe a note that the studio took as far as um, him actually having metal skin and the, mm -hmm. and the scarring and stuff. They're like, all right, well, we need to show Julian McMahon's face more, and we we kind of got to give him a real costume. So so I which is I a weird like which that. is weird because then they forgot that note that note got I guess that memo got lost when they made the Josh Trank movie. <laughs> and all that stuff got burned. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's probably still sitting at Tim Story's house when he's working on Fantastic <laughs> Four Three. Uh, like, hey, and can I borrow your notes? He's like, no. <laughs> no thank you These i think too um this script i think also just like the first one it's not as bad in this one as it was in the first one but i think sue ends up getting sh shafted in the character department in here as well because mm -hmm. she's not quite as bratty as she was in the first one but there's still a bit of that like um i she's getting like the when she gets angry at Reed for having the bachelor party, and then later she talks right. about her own bachelorette party, and I'm like, well, you just said that you had your own thing, so why are you getting mad at him? How, um, how is that even a thing? Right, it's just, it's irrational. There's no no point in it. But also, like, her getting so... Like, I get the fact that she's frustrated with him, but, you know, it's not like he's sitting around playing video games, right? I mean, he's no. doing important shit, so I think... He's part of a, your team, and you guys routinely are saving the world from yeah. threats. So um, it didn't get that at all. Have you seen Superman and Lois? I've not seen Superman and Lois. Okay, so I, I tell the story all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's it's one of the most mature ways to handle um, uh, a superhero relationship. Okay. Um, so you've got in in the first season, uh, Lois asked Clark to go to this uh, city hall meeting to cover it for her because she can't be there. Okay. And he's going to go there. She's, she tells him, like, I need you to be my voice there. I need you to speak up and, you know, talk about these issues. And he says, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Something comes up as Superman. He has to go do Superman stuff. So he misses the meeting. Later, he comes back and he, he he's like, look, I'm so sorry. I tried to be. And she says, look, I know you're Superman. I know you were doing something important. And I know it's illogical, but it I'm still angry. Right. Yeah. And it was a very mature way to handle it. And I think if they had handled it something like that, I would have understood it more. But as it stands, she just comes off as very petulant. Right, right. And and it seems like the biggest, like her character arc, the whole movie is just like, I got to get married to Reed. I got to get married to Reed. I got to mm. get married to Reed. And that just seems to be her her primary focus the yes. entire film. 
And I, I get that you're what you were minutes away from being married in the first place. And I think that was like the third or, or there were several the, attempts. The, about the fourth time, I think it was. Yeah, the fourth time. Yeah, so several because times. It, yeah, because at the man. end, they say fifth time's the charm. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. So I, I get you've been trying to marry the man and you, you want to pin down Reed Richards because mm. Lord knows he's a hot commodity <laughs> out in these streets. Well, I don't know. After that dance scene, man, I mean. <laughs> hey, they, they were impressed. But but uh, there was a lot of innuendo mm. <laughs> laid out there in your window. Speaking so, of, speaking of, I didn't catch this until this last because I've seen this movie several times. I didn't catch mm-hmm. this until last night. I think outside of the Deadpool movies, this movie has the dirtiest joke of any Marvel movie. Really? Because there's that scene when he's talking, when Johnny and Ben are talking and he's there in Johnny's asking about his relationship with Alicia. And he's like, how do you guys, you know, and, and Ben says, that's none of your business. And Johnny says, okay, it's like, look, I'm just, I'm concerned because I don't want to wake up and find she's been killed in a rock slide. <laughs> and I didn't realize it until, until now, but he's making a cum shot joke. He, he truly is. He truly is. Um, yeah, I've always laughed at that joke just because obviously he's the thing and he's a, a rock slide. I, I was always thinking of it like as in like him being like crushing her physically, right, like his body. Right. But then I realized the last time, like, oh wait, no, no. Now I realize what he's saying. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that 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 joke is even more funnier now. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> that that oh <laughs> poor Alicia. <laughs> Poor Alicia, we hardly knew ye. Shut up, Johnny. <laughs> I'm trying to mourn over here. <laughs> oh man. Look, um, I think you're right though. That that's pretty filthy. <laughs> pretty filthy. Uh and I, I love I, I think they did a much they got a much better handle on Reed in this movie as well. Like I think yes. they had really they'd really captured that whole, you know, absent minded genius type of thing. And I think Yeah. And and also I like they give him a moment with Johnny, right? I like that moment when he he's talking when him and Johnny are talking in the in the Baxter building. He's telling Johnny about the anomaly and everything, right? And, and then Johnny uses that to blackmail him into having a bachelor party. Of course, Johnny's that's, always that's thinking per- on his feet. That's perfect for both. It perfectly describes both their characters, right? Reed gets all excited and jazzed up about this science stuff. He wants to tell somebody. Johnny couldn't give less of a shit, but he's he's he see he's all he sees a way to turn this to his advantage to party. Right, of course. And I thought that was a great way of handling that dynamic between the two of them. Right, I, I and I like that moment too. Um, they they definitely handled Reed way better because again, before Reed was the failed scientist who mm. who thought he had um hurt had hurt his friends and and then also he's trying to get back with all of a sudden his girlfriend is back with him, so to speak, because of this thing that happened. So there was a, a lot of moving pieces that never really fit together in mm-hmm. the first movie for Reed. And this one fully formed, like you said, he's getting married to Sue. Don't got to worry about any, any of that drama outside of just a little bickering back and forth. Right. He really gets to put on his show off his scientist skills here. Like Derek said, he did pull out all kinds of gadgets. He was constantly, Constantly with, oh, I got this, and I'm researching this, and mm-hmm. it was always like, yo, you can really tell that Reed is Reed is in the lab. Yeah, Reed is is doing work, and that wasn't as evident in the first movie. I know he was like, I'm going trying to cure Ben, but that was like the only thing he was doing. Right. Um, in this film, you could tell he's really in in the two years, I believe, in between films. I think they yeah, acknowledge yeah. that in the movie. Um, you you could really tell how much he's grown into his role as the leader of the Fantastic Four, and as this ex- one of the 
most amazing minds on planet Earth, essentially now, now that he's a world famous superhero mm. and he has all the funding he, he could ever need. Uh, so they they really did good with with uh, Reed and and I want to say back to Derek's review. Ian and um and Jessica Alba do have more chemistry in this yeah. film than they did the first one, because again she had so much little things to do and there was some words said here and there and it's like okay I I, I kind of see she's going back to read and da, da, da. but you you could tell that there was chemistry this time maybe it was because of their second outing their second time on on the set together everything like that who knows who who knows about table reads and everything like that but you could tell they really worked at making their mm. relationship seem like it was truly Reed and Sue and yeah. it wasn't Reed and Sue as much Stan and Jack it was Reed and Sue of John Byrne era yeah in Claremont era um, now, I, there's something I want to note, too, about Alba's acting, because she got a lot of criticism for her performance in this movie, and that's not her fault, because... Again, not her fault. Here's here's what she had said that uh, the director had told her. Okay. Um, <clears throat> he said, it looks too real. It looks too painful. Can you be prettier when you cry? Cry pretty, Dr Jessica. Don't do that thing with your face. Just make it flat. We can CGI the tears in. Bro, Tim Story said that to her. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's fucked up. That's not super a good, fucked up. Not a good look for you, Mister yeah. Tim Story. Uh can you can you look more pretty while you act? Yeah, wow. while you cry. Yeah, Jesus. Can Christ. you look more pretty while you cry? What, like, why? Yeah, yeah. I know why. I know why. <laughs> but mm. still, like, you you don't talk to human beings like that. I don't no, care how no, much money you you got behind this movie, man. Can you look like? That's gross. That's yeah, it's fucking terrible. Ugh. But you know what also I noticed too is they because you remember in the comics that there was that weird storyline where Alicia leaves Ben for Johnny and then it turns out she ends yeah, up being a scrawl. Um yep. so Elijah. they kind they hint at that a little bit in this. Did you, I, did you notice that they're hinting at like yeah. some chemistry stuff with her and Johnny? I, I picked that up because again, I when I came into the Fantastic Four comics, um I think Johnny and Alicia were a thing at the mm. time, and then all of a sudden the scroll was running around. They're like, "Oh yeah, that, everybody thought that was Alicia, but it was really the scroll." And I was like, "Um, okay, I was a child, so whatever." <laughs> yeah, comic book. It was it was amazing how much we we let slide when we were kids reading these books. <laughs> of course, of course. So I I did pick up those those couple of hints things because that was always one of the weirdest things about the FF until they revealed ultimately what happened. I was like, "What? Wait, so she really left." Uh, ben to to go be with Johnny and yeah, who are still I know who ben, uh, who wrote that story anyway? Do you remember offhand? I don't remember who wrote that story. I'm trying to think who was writing the. I want to say it was DeFalco actually, because okay. I, I really feel like DeFalco. That was like early '90s. I think the uh, FF was his book. Okay, one of his main books, like along with Thunderstrike and stuff like that. That sounds so about I right. That was, yeah, I think it was his tentpole book. So I want to mm -hmm. say that was DeFalco. It sounds about right. Um. Yeah, because I remember, like, I'd never read that story, but just hearing about it, I'm just like, why would anyone even think that was a good idea? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, again, it, it was probably one of those things where someone cast a stone to mm -hmm. send Alicia into to Johnny's arms, and then they left the book, and then somebody else came in and like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah, I want to explain this, and and so they're like, I know she can be a scroll named Lodger or <laughs> scroll named Elijah. Okay. Um, <laughs> they also improved uh, the thing's prosthetics in this. Like he's got more of a defined brow in this movie. He does. He does, and it, it's they don't change too much from his original look. 
but they definitely upgraded him a little bit. Which it's some slight modifications that really work for the best. Yes. It, it also shows his growth in the last two years. Like if you want to go to a point where he's maybe having a few mutations as far as mm-hmm. his look, because obviously in the comic books, he went through many mutations, uh, like a lot of mutations. In fact, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's times he, he doesn't even look like a thing. Cause he's, he's so effed up. Shout out to John Byrne again for messing with my dude. <laughs> um, but again, that that shows their willingness to with the FX, and the FX again is another reason why these movies work for us mm-hmm. or for me is because um, it, it just shows that they're willing to do what's necessary to put these characters on the screen and not get taken out of the story right. because of bad effects. Yeah, so and like um, they also with uh, Alba too. They gave her she wore a wig in this movie because the. Um... Her hair had actually gotten really damaged because they had bleached it in the first movie, and her hair right. got damaged when they did that. So and I actually and, liked her hair better in this one, and now that ma- that makes sense. I, yeah, I, I thought it never, looked pretty good. Yeah, never never realized that she was actually wearing a wig. So yeah, because her, her hair in the first one was fine, and I've always just my general preference. I preferred her with darker hair. So her oh, yeah, form at first. Uh, it was always like, oh, like blonde Jessica Alba is, is obviously she's fine. I mean, it's, it's just I'm not going to ask her to cry yeah. pretty. Yeah, I'm not going to ask her to cry pretty or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought her hair definitely looked better, and now that I know she has a wig on, that makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want, while we're on the concept of her hair, I did want to call out. Do you remember what John Byrne said about uh, Jessica Alba? No, I don't. Uh, okay, let me see if I can look this up. Okay. Because I'm assuming it was around the time of the movie, so I. It was the it was the first movie, yeah. Uh, It was fucking terrible. So um, sounds like John Byrne. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ! Talk about comic book grace. Comic book writers are a little problematic here and there. So here's what he said when uh, the first images of Alba as as Sue were released. Mm-hmm. He wrote on his message board, personal prejudice, Hispanic and Latino women with blonde hair look like hookers to me, no matter how clean or cute they are. Somehow those skin tones that look so good with dark, dark hair just don't work for me with lighter shades. Like I said, personal prejudice. Holy fuck. Prejudice. <laughs> Not personal opinion, personal prejudice. Jesus Christ. I, tr- I remember that now. Oh, Ooh, that's a terrible hot ass take. Mm-hmm. Oh. John Byrne, I hope you're on. I don't even know if his message board is still up, but sometimes the internet does not need your personal prejudice. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I do remember, uh, I remember him also like getting angry when Christopher Reeve died and people were calling Christopher Reeve a hero. And he's like, he wasn't a hero. He, yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then I remember Peter David wrote a great response. Like, you know, people will assign, you know, their own labels that apply to different people in their lives, like hero or I don't know, asshole. <laughs> I love Peter David's trolling of John Byrne. P- Peter David is one of the greats. Man. He is, yeah, always is. Aside from, even though I had we had issues with his Scarlet Spider work. Yeah, Scarlet Spider. I mean, <laughs> what, what what can you do? They can't what all can be wonders. Do? He's yeah. written a lot of. He's written books. so much good stuff, and he's and uh, this is a digression, but I, I want to say it anyway because unlike a lot of writers from his generation, he's actually managed to adapt with the times. He really has. He he has because. Frank Miller obviously oh god oh. refuses um and I don't know what how he's doing health wise these days I know he was kind of pretty bad off a few years ago I think he's doing better now but Frank Miller has like he he stopped trying eh, probably about two 2000s I'd say mm-hmm. um but by, by the time um Dark Knight 2 Dark came Knight out, Strikes Again yeah, Strikes yeah. Again came out 
uh, DK2, as they kept advertising and advertising the wizard. Um, yeah, he, he definitely stopped trying. And I've actually read DK2 on multiple occasions, and I still can't make heads or tails of it. Have you <laughs> read uh, why I punish myself? I think, did you read DK3, The Master Race? No, I never read Master Race. That was actually not bad. That was actually okay. pretty deep. I think a big part of it was because Brian Azzarello was scripting, but it was right. it was it was much better than I expected it to be. Okay. Um, but yeah, Miller has definitely declined. Claremont and Byrne declined a lot too. Yes, um, they keep wanting to rehash all their old ideas. Yeah, yeah. But the problem you know, is, but David's able to really adapt and to change and to keep his stuff fresh. Like I mean, yeah, his. And- his second X Factor run was even better than his first. I agreed. And um, I think that has to do with him actually being a genuinely good person who's willing yeah. to work with people. That that also helps a lot. Because I feel like almost every book that Byrne left, like X-Men, Fantastic Four, Superman, uh, like all those big books that he had, Wonder Woman, there was always when he left, it was like a big deal because there was, it was like something was going wrong and he wasn't going to get his way on something finally after they gave him all this creative mm-hmm. control and it was like you know what i'm out the door it's like yeah. all right john Byrne, don't let the door hit you where the good lord's i think i think you know what it is i think it's david isn't arrogant like he doesn't buy into his own hype like he's still that's important he's, he's still able to be humble enough and realize like i'm not i'm not perfect i that's right. a, that's a quality that i think miller and claremont and Byrne and a lot of other guys have lost sight of uh, of course, of course. McFarlane never had that. <laughs> McFarlane's been McFarlane's always been a humble guy. What are you talking oh, about? And then Rob Liefeld, the, the humblest man in comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shoot! All right, uh, but back to this comics movie. man. Uh, yeah. Um, what are some of the things I want to mention? Oh, I'm, I want to talk about Andre Brower a little bit in this because okay. it's it's funny watching this after I've seen him in after Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh my god! <laughs> Who you knew know what? he had Brooklyn Nine Nine had that character in him, man? Like, I mean, yeah. everything I'd seen before of him was always super serious, and you know, like, don't mess around with me. But then him on Brooklyn Nine Nine, man, as 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 Holt, mm-hmm. it, it it really to see him be as silly in that ensemble with the rest of them and and go on that incredible run with everybody else. I I, I just love his range. But you know so. what's so great about him is that he's got all this range while basically having the same affectations. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's still like this deadpan, super serious guy mm-hmm. in both mm-hmm. of them. But in but it's it's a completely different character. And he makes you yes. believe that it's a completely different character in both cases. Yeah, man. He's a hell of an actor. Mm-hmm. Hell of an actor. I, I definitely loved him in the film. Obviously, he's he's like bought into the Julian McMahon or sorry, the Victor Von, Van Dam, Victor mm. Von Doom of it all. He's like, oh, okay, let's give control to him. And then Reed and Sue and all looking at him like, are you are you fucking stupid? Like, did you not see what he tried to do two years ago? And he's like, listen, listen to Victor. He's he's back and his face is pretty. So listen to him. And they're like, oh, um, God. and Thing and Johnny are having it. And so so I hate to see him be so again moving the plot along and just being so dumb <laughs> to, mm. to, to give uh victor all that control which obviously led to victor being able to to snatch the surfboard away uh the, the flying disc but um I, I i his presence in any any film or television show he's on he, he commands respect so he just he just has a certain amount of of um gravitas mm. to him and he definitely brought it in the film and did you know that he's a comic fan 
Oh, I did not. Yeah, in fact, he had he had um got offered a um a guest gig on ER and he turned it down so that he could be in this because he loved the Fantastic Four growing oh, up. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. See, we're all Fantastic Four mm-hmm. fans, Perry. It, it, we just we there's not a lot for us to celebrate right now. Like <laughs> if it's all comic books, it's like we have our favorite comic book stories and we just kind of, you know, because mm-hmm. it's hard to bring up Fantastic Four when MCU's out here doing yeah. MCU stuff. Like, hey, have you read the latest issue of Fantastic Four? <laughs> Unless you're around some real comic book heads, they're not they're not going to be into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also his character, General Hager, that was do you know who that character was originally supposed to be? Thunderbolt? No, Nick Fury. Oh <sighs> really? Yeah, I don't know if they were if it was still gonna be Brower playing him, but but yeah, the original intention was they wanted that to be Nick Fury. Um, and in fact, Fox was trying to get kind of a cinematic universe started with the first one because in the first movie um in a deleted scene reed mm-hmm. shifts his face into hugh jackman's right and ring when yeah, him and, and sue are walking along along the river and yeah and there was supposed to be this um and that it was supposed to be like kind of a hint to eventually setting up the fact that the fantastic four and the x-men movies are exist in the same universe which could have given us X-Men Fantastic Four if they had done it right, which they would right. not have which done they right. Have done. But apparently, and I don't know how true this is, because it was uh, IMDb trivia, but it said that Wolverine was actually supposed to have a cameo in Spider-Man 2 originally as well, but I never heard huh. anything about it. Yeah, that's yeah. first time. I don't know if that's just someone talking out their ass or what, but... that That's weird. I, I can't I can't see him at all in that movie. I, I just rewatched Spider-Man 2 the other morning. Uh, just on a whim and I, and I was watching I was like man this movie still holds up so well we and, uh we covered it we had a recent episode came out yeah we talked about it yeah. I, I, I listened to it I think that's what made me want to watch it again <laughs> and and yeah I I can't see where Raimi would have slapped him in there and have been cool although uh, you, know. uh, you you listen to the episodes you know that um uh the Punisher was was actually in there yes yes i didn't i didn't know, i didn't know that until actually the, the episode so. yeah that was a surprising uh bit of trivia that i didn't know about so that was cool yeah i mean um, that's kind of cool they were thinking outside the box like that uh so let's talk about the silver surfer a little bit then okay. um what what was your overall opinion of the silver surfer in this i have no problems with the silver surfer if they had spun this off into a silver surfer film i would have been there for it had me a silver surfer shirt that I wore mm. proudly for several years until it finally shrunk and it wasn't fitting anymore. But Doug Jones is incredible. <laughs> and I already like Doug Jones from Hellboy. I, mm. I really like yeah. like his, his portrayal um uh in Hellboy as uh, uh what is the, the Abe fish? Sapien. Thank you, as Abe. Um loved him in that film. And then when I found out he was playing this and then seeing them pull it off, of course I give him Lawrence Fishburne's voice, which helps mm. a lot <clears throat> to have that that red pill red pill blue pill you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny because it's like i was thinking last night if if you need someone who's gonna be covered in a lot of makeup you get doug jones if you need someone who's gonna be covered in a lot of cgi you get andy circus those are the two guys <laughs> they went to for everything back in those days yes it was yes it was 100 percent. um yeah like the the whole film the, the way he interacted with with johnny and with with the team the re- rest of the team you could really tell, again, I, I spoke of Gravitas earlier. You could really tell there was weight to this character. There was mm-hmm. just so much more lying there for Fox to pick up and essentially throw at us. Yeah. And I think they, they that was their intention, and it worked. I, The moment he came on screen until the last moment he was on screen, 
all eyes was on Silver Surfer. This is truly his movie. That's why his name is on the title. Yeah. As as good as um, Ben's moments were, and Human Torch's moments were, and 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 of course Sue and Reed's roles improving in their mm-hmm. chemistry, improving on screen. This is Silver Surfer's movie. Rise of Silver Surfer, obviously, and he he certainly rose to the occasion. And, yeah. And for me, so I, I there I found no issues at all. Um, even even with even with the emotion he was able to display when he was they had him locked up mm-hmm. and you know, the surfboard and he's, he's just sitting there talking about um what he's going through and stuff like that. I I felt for him. I, I genuinely was was hooked on his story and I, I was I was really ready to see to see him kind of get his revenge mm-hmm. to kind of fight back finally, which we did get obviously. And, and I was really love, I just thought they did a great job with the whole. And thing. also to, to the point you made earlier about how he loses the kind of silver finish when he's separated from the board. Yeah. I think that was also a really good choice because that allowed Jones to really kind of emote a lot more than he was able to with the CGI over him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and think, exactly what it was. Yeah. I think that was a good decision because that really allowed him to really, that let his emotion and his body language really kind of come through when he's talking to, to yeah, Sue. And I, I could just, I just still see him sitting there with, with his head down, shoulders mm-hmm. down, you know, and like feeling like the, he had just gotten scolded by the worst parent in the world, man. And right. obviously he didn't, he didn't do nothing except what Galactus sent what he was sent there to do, which is to help set up earth to be destroyed. Yeah, uh, to be eaten. Um, and I, I, I love that they did more with Johnny and Ben in this movie too. Like, it, they did such a good job of really showing the complexity of of their relationship. Like, yeah, they rip on each other. Yeah, they make fun of each other. But at the end, they really do love each other like brothers. Like that scene with the two of them in the bar. That was pitch perfect, Johnny and Ben. Like, if if I'm gonna give Push someone off the comic book page, if yeah. I'm gonna give someone a textbook on how to write a, a very simple primer on how to write Johnny and Ben's relationship, I give them that scene because that is the perfect example of their relationship. Oh yeah. Um, uh, again, we've said this many times how well they they nailed the relationship, but getting to see them not be superheroes in that moment and mm-hmm. just really sit there and 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 have that conversation. It, it did show the, the depth of their friendship. Well, something that also... was nice about it too is it's a reversal of their typical roles too because usually it's Ben who's down on himself because his powers and all that right. kind of stuff. Right, and this time it's Johnny. And this time it's Johnny. And so mm-hmm. we have Ben counseling him from a place of experience. And I thought that was a really cool aspect of it too. Right, and and any any time that you're, again, a lot of the film is about changing powers, but you also got to see them change roles as well. So, mm. so, so that scene worked really well for me too. I, I, I did like to see that and to see that as annoying as he is, Ben does look at Johnny as a little brother. Yeah. Um, And to see Ben be able to dole out some wisdom, that was very cool. And I also like that they leaned in the celebrity aspect. I love that. And I like that they show in small ways that Ben has become very comfortable with who he is. Right. Oh, like yeah. you were saying before, like in the, in the first movie, just like in the early comics, he's very much down on himself. You know, I'm, you know, this man, this monster type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but over the time in the comic books, he's, you know, he's come to accept who he is. And it feels a little bit tacked on at the end of the first movie when he says like, no, I'm, I'm fine the way I am. Like it, mm-hmm. it felt a little bit tacked on. It felt like they didn't do enough, exploration of that growth but i like that that growth continues into this movie and that he's you know he's very fine with who he is he's comfortable in his own skin now 
I love the scene when they're in the club and he's just at the bar and he's like, I need the, I need the biggest pic- picture with the biggest handle you can find. And he's just kind of like dancing. <laughs> right. He's just like, he's like dancing in his, yeah. little, in his, in his little button down shirt. I love yes. that. Yes. Yeah, man. Cause that, that's been in his element. Again, mm. the moments the team gets to put their hair down is some of the best moments for fantastic in the fantastic four anyway. Cause of course you open up a fantastic four book, you turn on the movies, you expect them to they'll be fighting some some threat Mm -hmm. but a lot of the times when they they're just in the baxter building and interacting with each other a lot of the times those are the best parts because you get to truly see why they're the first family of marvel and how they work and when the movie gets to do that as well they absolutely nailed it but then it's like oh we gotta get back to the we gotta get back to the fight Mm -hmm. scene gotta push the plot come on guys let's go keep it keep it moving so it was few and far in between Unfortunately, but when they were in those little moments, they absolutely got it. Right. When they whenever they had those moments, they absolutely nailed them. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I could not agree more. Yeah. Um what was something else I wanted to mention. Uh where is it? I don't know. Is there anything else you wanna mention while I'm trying to think of what I was gonna say? Uh well, we I've already briefly touched on the plot where um where they kill Sue for a few mm-hmm. minutes. I mean that that really didn't do it. And she dies in Reed's arms as as it says on Wikipedia. And of course, um, I mean that was that was her death scene. Like like I said, I was worried the first time. I was like, all mm-hmm. right, are they gonna kill Sue? That that's kind of crazy. Are they gonna kill Sue? But then every time I watch it afterwards and I know she's gonna be revived. It's just kind of like I'm counting down the minutes till she's revived, and right. it feels really empty. A lot of empty calories there. So I don't love that. I do love the wedding at the end. Um, I, I love how they quickly got married, and then something was happening, and they had to take off again. Mm. And, of course, you mentioned it was a, their fifth attempt at getting married. Yeah. So I'm glad they finally got the nuptials in. The fantastic car. The fantastic car when they when that came out and then they broke the broke the pieces and mm-hmm. they went their different directions. Again, I I I my fantastic four teeth came from those early issues. And funny, funny thing, I'm gonna mention this about Sue. Um, they introduced Fantastic Four the Fantastic Car, and then it would go off in four different directions. In those early issues, they would do like pinups. Mm-hmm. Where they would draw Torch, they draw Ben, they draw um, Fan- Mr. Fantastic. They drew Sue, right, Perry? Mm-hmm. And then there was a little note saying, notice the detail on on the Invisible Girl's um, control column, showing that she her her controls are just as complicated as oh, the Jesus boys. <laughs> because apparently they wanted to point out that she was just oh, as capable God. of the boys. Of flying, of flying these. Uh, well, I mean, fantastic. They cars. they had to have that note in there because if you remember those early issues, she's written like she's brain damaged. So. Right, and the, they even put in like the, they colored it like red and blue and green, so you could really see that that she had a bunch of knobs up mm. there, and she and it was hard. It was uh, hard work for her to fly that car. And she she wasn't getting off easy. No siree. Um, one one thing about the fantastic car, um, and this is just like a small thing, but yeah. Um, like in in the in the comics, right? Each each person has their own car, yes. right? They didn't have that, like because um, because the surfer is basically riding shotgun with Sue, and so they, it's instead of breaking up into four cars, it only breaks up into three cars. 
that that's true. But it, then, but John was Johnny. No, Johnny he was, was he was flying. Johnny was flying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so maybe that's why they only had the that. The yeah, that was why. Johnny which is fly. that was something I didn't like about it. Um, yeah, because because in the comic books they literally went, <laughs> right. <laughs> they yeah. Went, went, went um they all went their little separate ways. I think they were scouring the city for Namor or something. I think maybe after Namor took off. So, mm. um yeah, but I, I like seeing that because again that was the FF that I grew up on. So right. I was I was really thought that was cool. Well, even me as like only there. being, you know, not really being a fan of the comics, but still knowing enough about them. I even thought that was a cool moment. And when I saw yeah. when I saw this movie the first time, it's like, oh, sweet. The fantastic car. That's awesome. Yeah. I would not have the same enthusiasm if Spider-Mobile ever shows up, though. No, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone would have. Like, oh, um, God. Like, I, I, I will if they treat it the way that Spider-Man treated it in the comic books, where he's like, what the fuck is this thing? This is ridiculous. <laughs> he wrecked the son of a bitch. He couldn't drive anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't drive and wrecked it and then i think they got it fixed mm. and then I, I think it got messed up again yeah oh. i do remember the in some old comics in the 70s when he was driving it and he just complaining about it the whole time he's like why am i driving this thing <laughs> can you imagine seeing spider-man in the spider-man mobile like come come uh, on like bro are you out of web fluid like what's going on <laughs> He's like inflation sucks. It, it's it's so weird when they think about these. Like I remember the the superpowers uh, toy lines. They had like Superman mm-hmm. had like a, a a flying car or something. Like he, he's Superman. Right. Why does he need a Why flying does he car? Need a flying car so he, he can sell more toys. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> all um, it is. Oh, so I remember what I wanted to talk about. Um, okay, and this is kind of a small thing, but uh, I think one of the things I've always liked about the Fantastic Four is that they're purpose it's not like as a superhero team primarily they're a team of explorers that's their whole thing right Mm -hmm. one of the things i didn't like here and this is i know this is a small nitpick and i know everyone who's listening is like oh come on perry this is too much but i did think it was i did this did stick out to me was when she goes to read and she says the city's trying to you know bill us for this armor for this car we destroyed during this armored car robbery type of thing and i'm like fantastic four shouldn't be stopping armored car robberies like they should be doing you know weird and exciting <laughs> shit I, so that was kind of mundane for me no no I, I i get it and and i agree with you but again the only reason it works there's no other superheroes around yeah so yeah so that that's where they they get stuck with that bill yeah um but no i agree that all they're not street level people that's daredevil that's spider-man right. who would handle that kind of stuff so um, I, I can totally see your point, and I don't. I don't think it's so much of a nitpick in in the MCU if they're, if they're doing that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, oh come on, that that really yeah. makes no sense. But it was a throwaway line, and that they should not be doing those kind of things. Because yeah, like you said, they're adventurers. They explore. They go into the negative zone. Their their read obviously is always trying to find new scientific breakthroughs and takes the whole family with them. Well, I mean, I think so, you could have easily done that same scene with that line. It's just you replace it with armored car robbery with something a little bit more fantastic, right? Like yeah, you know, you know like oh, so the city's after us because of that, um, you know, that interdimensional breach that happened, and and there's and something like that, right? Yes, that that would make way more sense. So you fixed it. Yeah, you and it's just like it. one line of dialogue, and that would have fixed the whole thing. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to mention. Uh, is there anything else I'm leaving out? Um, no. The only only thing, <laughs> only thing uh, is why why did the power cosmic uh, wake 
wake up uh, Victor? Can, can yeah, that's, explain just, that to me? And I don't understand what that guy was doing with the buzzsaw or like how when Doom comes to the Silver Surfer, like the Silver Surfer blasts him and Doom gets cured? What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like what is it about Doom and the, and the power cosmic, man? Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I'm not here for any of that. And you're really telling me that <laughs> Doom was still frozen until the, the, all these things start happening around the planet. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's time for me to wake up, have me a morning coffee, and then go destroy the Fantastic yeah. Four. <laughs> come, come on, man. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think Julian McMahon had a two-film deal, and mm-hmm. they were like, we'll get you back in here. Don't worry. And it, it was what it was. Yeah. But I did appreciate this Doom a little better than first Doom. But He was a little bit Doom better, but yeah, movie. completely unnecessary. 100% unnecessary mm-hmm. addition to this movie. Um, and it just, again, this movie, if you're going to do a movie where Doom's going after the Silver Surfer, fine. That should then be the climax. Don't then have Galactus pop up in the last 10 minutes. Right. right. I mean, were, um, if you're going to have Galactus pop up at the end, then you have Galactus pop up in the end as like as a cliffhanger. And then boom, third movie is going to be like, you know, the, the coming whole, of Galactus or something. Right. And then it, it could be literally the whole film just dealing yeah. with Galactus by itself. Um, and again, you got to remember it's 2007 though. So same year that Raimi wanted to only do a Sandman movie and then he got stuck with Venom. Yeah. Um, so I, I would not be surprised if let, let's give the creators a little bit of credit here. Maybe they're like, all right, we're going to have Doom and Silver Surfer uh, face off. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, but let's go ahead and get Galactus in there. Like, well, Galactus, we are going to, no, let's go ahead and get Galactus mm-hmm. in there. Like, well, I mean, I, I guess we'll put Galactus in the movie. Fine. And when they, and, and then of course it got poor reception. Yeah. Uh, it, no one really, it did not get high um, approval ratings or uh, a lot of critics didn't like it. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So the, the, slowly the, the third movie kind of fell out of favor, but I, I'm going to say, I really hope, that there was plans to give Galactus more of his own feature. There was. In fact, there was plans. There were, this movie was, the idea was two movies were going to come out after this movie. One was going to be a, a third Fantastic Four movie, mm-hmm. which Tim Story has said he wanted to go to Wakanda and he wanted to have uh, Jimon Hanso as the Black Panther. Ah, yes. Um, so I, that was one thing. That. He, that was what he really wanted to do in the third movie. And then there was also, there was going to be a Silver Surfer movie with, Doug Jones reprising his role as Silver Surfer, but yes. he was going to do the voice this time too. And then they were going to, at this point, they said they did plan to have Galactus in his actual form be in the movie. I remember that now. Okay. And of course, all that just fell by the and wayside. Then that, yeah, that fell by the wayside. Um, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong about this because you know it's all this development hell type stuff, but I believe that the Silver Surfer movie actually survived longer than the third Fantastic Four movie did. Because I think there was still an idea, kind of like with Daredevil and Elektra, where it's like, well, maybe we can still salvage this franchise right. with another character, with a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm, I was think I thought I remember that there was going to be a Silver Surfer movie, and it, it was hanging around mm-hmm. pretty much into the late two two thousands, I think. So yeah, I I don't know 
how much I would have loved for, obviously with no idea of what we would get in 2018. Uh, I don't know how much I would love to have Black Panther introduced in the third Fantastic Four movie, but of course I wouldn't have anything to compare it to, so I might have loved it just like I like these films a lot. <laughs> Uh, but not, I mean, nothing would come close to what we actually I mean, yeah, I, I think ultimately we got the better end of it because we got, you know, Bo- Chadwick Boseman. But at yeah. the same time, Hanso was like a would have been a great pick for the Black Panther back in those days. He would have been. He he was he was definitely a high commodity actor. He shown again, talking about range. He has plenty of range. He, he even voiced a- he voiced T'Challa on the animated series that BET did. Oh, he he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Okay, I did. I did not remember that because I, I I watched that and I completely. It's been a long time. I'm just gonna so double check, but I'm pretty that. sure that yeah, he uh he did the voice. Then yeah, he 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 knows the character. Yep, even yeah, better. He did the voice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I completely forgot that. So, so so maybe it could have been good. Maybe it could have mm. been. Maybe we were sitting here talking about the Fantastic Four trilogy, Perry. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I it would I think and I think yeah I think he wanted I mean there are two different things I've heard I've heard that he wanted to do Wakanda but I also heard that he wanted to do the puppet master too oh um, yes classic and, FF film. yeah yeah how you translate the puppet master to film I don't know it's yeah I think I think that's kind of I think that's probably nine-ish. why they had the Wakanda stuff in it too because yeah. I don't think it would have been enough for the studio Ooh. to be like oh that's yeah that's a little bit too that's not enough stuff for the third movie it right. also would have been kind of a letdown too. I think if you want something so small after shitting the bed on Galactus, basically. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, we gave you five minutes of Galactus, and now we're gonna have the Puppet Master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a reach. And I was just thinking, thinking about the timeline. This this came out in two thousand seven. Yeah. Little did we know that a year later we were gonna get something like Iron Man. So that yeah. that just shows shows. How, how ballsy Paramount and Marvel Studios was in mm. 2008 to to really, again, everybody's like so, they, they've seen uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man in so many films now. Everybody's like, oh, he, he was great and everything. It's always so great. Not a lot of people were super excited about him in 2008 when Iron Man came out. And Although, not a lot interesting, of people thought Iron Man would work either. He would, they originally, Fox was actually going after him to play a role in the fantastic, the first Fantastic Four movie. Oh really? Yeah. Do we know what role? Yes, we do. D- do you want to take any guesses? Doom. Yep, they had wanted him to play Doom. <laughs> I I was sitting here trying to think of who I would cast in the MCU, and I was like, it's too bad that Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> already was Tony Stark because he would be a fantastic Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, the, well, as that's far a, as I, that's a good segue. Um, so I asked you last yeah. time if you have any ideas for who you'd want to play the 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 ff in the new movie i only got one person and it's the most important person to me because he's my favorite which is the thing Mm -hmm. my selection and i don't know if he's too old or not but it's going to be cgi makeup whatever but i I think he um he would have the presence to pull it off i really think dean norris would be great as the thing from breaking bad oh okay Yeah, yeah 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 Uh, Hank Schrader, I I think, I mean he talks a little like this, you know, and, and like that, but it, you know, a little, a little deep to voice, deep in the voice, a little bit, a little bit of a more of a New York accent, maybe. I think, I think his voice is perfect, but I think mm-hmm. if you're going to be doing a pre, if you're going to be showing him as Ben, I don't think he works as Ben. I think he's, he's perfect. He's as, too, yeah. He looks too old. He's yeah, too no, old to be like a contemporary of Reed. I think. 
Yeah. Um, but I but think I if, do you met, think... if you have him do the voice and you have someone else play Ben in the pre-transformation, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. I, 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 cause I, I hear, I can just from watching so much breaking bad and all the, all the shows I, I always heard, I was like, you know, you'd be really good at being a thing. I think, mm. I think, I think I'd like to hear him do that. And he was the first one to pop in my head and I was trying to rack my brain and then you pop back up in the camera and I was like, okay, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get back to work here. Um, you know what? I, there was, I know the internet loved, um, what's John Krasinski is read. Uh, what was your thoughts on him and Doctor Strange? Um, very. I was very surprised because I avoided spoilers. So go me. Oh God, you got lucky. You I, got was like, I was like, for me in a headline. Oh, did it? That sucks. Mm. I was like, it's Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, oh, uh, and I was like, oh, he's got, he's got that, he's got the beard read going on. Okay, mm. okay. And I was like, he's got the president. He got the silver streaks. And everything. I'm like, I, I, I liked it a lot. But then, mm. of course. And one of my gripes about um, Multiverse of Madness was it's like you got these cameos and you're like, oh, yo, these are so cool. And then everybody was dead within 15 minutes. Yeah. On Disney Plus, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and so so that was a little disappointing. But I, I was like, yo, he's kind of perfect for the role. Um, He's a little older. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he would work in the actual actual as mr fantastic but i thought in the multiverse concept i, I love seeing him i thought it was uh, he was fine for for what he did in multiverse i'm not sure if i'd want him to be the regular read right in the mcu right. um but i thought he did i thought it was fine for what he was doing in that movie um one name that was tossed out that was pretty brilliant i thought was uh william jackson harper from um uh the good place Oh my God. I'm, I'm rewatching a good place right now. Actually I'm, a, I'm in season two again mm. and I love his performance as Chidi, man. Yeah. Like, he's such a, a nerdy, obviously so nerdy that he ended up in the bad place. Spoilers again, it's on <laughs> Netflix. Um, but he, he's just so nerdy. And if they really wanted to go that way, he, he would be perfect because he, 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 he could come good. off yeah. as brainy. His chemistry with, um, with Kristen Bell was in fact, amazing. I was thinking, Kristen Bell as Sue would also be a good pick too. Yeah, I, I would not be mad at seeing them re- reunite. I think that could be a lot of fun because Kristen Bell, mm-hmm. um, obviously she she's done her fair share of of character type roles with Veronica Mars and stuff. Then what like do that, we get? But... Uh, do we get Jason to come in as the Human Torch, <laughs> Johnny? <laughs> What's up, dudes? <laughs> Portals. <laughs> Oh, and then uh, and then we get a uh, Jamil J- Jamila Jamil as um uh, as the thing. <laughs> you could do <laughs> that because she's playing ta- do miss- Titania in she's doing, a, Titan- a she's doing Titania in She-Hulk. Yeah. yeah, so so we could just have her be uh be Titania in, <laughs> there in you the go. Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah. So have a good place say, reunion. Yeah, absolutely. That that I'm going to actually. But actually, uh, you know what though? Uh, right but there. speaking of good place, now that I've said that, I think Adam Scott could also make an interesting read as well. Oh my God, he's such the perfect asshole. Every time he's on, he's on anything, and he's he gets to be that smarky little asshole. Mm-hmm. Like aside from Parks, because uh, in Parks, obviously he was amazing. Yeah. But whenever he gets to be that little smarky know it all, especially like from um, Step Brothers, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was when he gets to be that guy. That that's that actually kind of speaks a lot of doom to me too. I, I could see him doing a little doom, but if you want to keep him on the lighter side, he would he would be a perfect read. I think you do. Think yeah, I think if if you combined his characters from um, Parks and Rec with the Good Place, like he had that both the good side and the dark side, I think he could make a really interesting, arrogant read. 
Yeah, yeah, like kind of like fan, uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four Reed was before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he he went he broke bad. Yeah, yeah, I went full <laughs> circle there. Um, so so he he could be good too. I I really like Adam Scott. He's one of those characters again that shows up, and it's like you don't know which way he's gonna go. He's not necessarily gonna be bad. He's not necessarily gonna be good. Cause he can go both ways, but a lot of times he ends up being a big old jerk. So what about Doom? Who do you think should play Doom? Uh, that, that was that was a tough one because uh, my mind went immediately to Robert Downey Jr. And then I was trying to rack my brains about got about actors who could possibly fill those shoes because we haven't seen it done right yet. So mm-hmm. you, you really want to make sure you get the casting right. Do you have do you have any ideas off top? I don't know. You know, my my perfect pick would have been um, Mads Mikkelsen. Mm. But he's but not he was in Doctor Strange, so I don't know. If yes. I could have done. Um, although I'm looking at this article and they've got some. This is a screen rant article. I just typed in Google who should play Doctor Doom, okay. and one article they have um, tossing out some names they tossed out: uh, Killian Murphy, mm. uh, Viggo Mortensen, uh, and Adam Driver are probably the ones that are the most interesting choices to me, especially sure. Mortensen. Because have you ever seen The Prophecy? I've not seen the prophecy. Oh God, you got to watch the prophecy. It's okay. It's this really. It's this movie. Um, it was in the early nineties, mid mid or early mid nineties, and it has um, Christopher Walken plays a psychotic angel. <laughs> um, the whole okay. the whole idea behind the movie is that after Lucifer and the angel and his rebellion was cast out, there was a second war in heaven led mm-hmm. by Christopher Walken's character uh, Gabriel. And now okay. this war is persisting in the present day and because the war still exists. Any human who dies can't go to heaven, right? Heaven's closed oh, off shit. all humanity. Okay. And it's it's got um, Elias Coteus from um, hey, uh, Casey, Casey Jones. Jones, yeah. Yes. And it's got uh, Virginia Madsen's in it, and also and Viggo Mortensen plays Lucifer in it, and he is oh, fucking wow. chilling. He is awesome. Is he? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do, I like do like some Vigo, so I'd be okay yeah, with that. Check I out think... that movie. Uh, but also, I just now I was talking about Lucifer. It also made me think of Tom Ellis from the Lucifer TV show. He I actually, also... I've seen Lucifer, but I actually watched him on a show they had right before, um, Lucifer, mm-hmm. uh, the one that was on USA. Um, I don't know if you ever caught it. It was like one se- sure one it season called. it got canceled. I think it was called Rush, maybe. Okay, no, I don't called. know. I really liked him in that. He actually, I, I, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me. I gotta look at this picture real quick because I, if, if I think I'm thinking about the right guy. Oh yeah, I think he should be Doom. Tom, Tom Ellis would be, would be my pick for Doom because just from me watching him on that other show because mm. I've seen, like I said, I've seen a few episodes of Lucifer, but seeing him on Rush and he was like this good and bad doctor kind of thing, mm-hmm. and seeing him balance that line between doing horrible shit and good stuff. It was more horrible shit than anything. <laughs> I think I think he would be a real good Doom, and yeah. he's he's got that pretty look. So when he gets scarred up, he'll be even more pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, I think that would be a really interesting choice. Um, I like that. So yeah, um, and that that's about all I got to say about uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Again, it's it's the best of the it's the best of the Fantastic Four movies we've gotten so far. Give us Fantastic Four three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but um, no, no, I know. But it's. But I, I was just gonna say, I, I just love the FF so much that I, I can't help but enjoy these movies. Now the train mm-hmm. film is absolute trash, so I'm I I do have some respect for myself, people. <laughs> but 
but these two films, especially when they, they came out in that era of, of here's a comic book movie. Will you like it or not? And mm-hmm. I, I just happened to grab hold of both of them. And Silver Surfer is quite the ride. Fantastic Four is it is a um a pony ride, a quarter mm. pony ride. Um, but it, it's worth a watch as well. Yeah. Um, so definitely recommend Rise of Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four. You can you can take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, but I just love them because it was a, a pretty accurate portrayal of what I always thought the FF to be when they were in the right moments. Yeah. Doom, yeah. not so much. <laughs> they they really stuck to the tone of the comics, I thought. Mm-hmm. And that that's one of the things that um overall i think they got far more right than wrong with these movies yes like the movies are definitely flawed don't get me wrong they are lots of flaws and you know if you, you you can go back and listen to this podcast again you can hear me talk about them but you should listen to it multiple times there and you run go the yeah. numbers up run yeah. those numbers up people <laughs> uh, but yeah more more good than bad in these movies especially the second one yeah yeah couldn't agree more but uh, I'm really glad you let me come on here and talk about them. Oh, I was afraid you had already already covered it. That's why I was like, "Have you done Fantastic Four movies?" You're like Tim Story. I was like, "Yes." You're like, "No." I'm like, "Let's go." Let's <laughs> no, go. I'm glad. I'm glad you suggested those because those were. You know, there's some big holes in the in the movies that we've covered on this show, like mm-hmm. you know where you got like you know we got like the ones everybody expects us to have covered, and then something that people would probably expect us to have covered, but we don't. Like a lot of the X Men films, Spider Man Two, up until recently. The Dark right. Knight still hasn't been on the show. So, um, but the Fantastic Four movies was another one of those kind of visible holes because these were pretty um, kind of by virtue by the fact there wasn't a whole lot else being released at the time, but they were pretty big superhero movies when they came out at the time. Yeah, they they were they were a big deal and and they the first one worked and they got a sequel. So mm. it and, worked and, uh, it worked enough. Let's put it that it way. Worked enough. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, I'll agree to that because they got because uh, they got because they got a and I'm not talking about like my personal perspective. I'm just talking about from the the studio standpoint because that first movie did get you know raked over the coals in oh, the yeah. critics and it had critics but did it not had, like that one either. no and it had still it had made just enough but it had made enough money to justify a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a totally different time and like I said, we were a year away from Iron Man. Little mm. did we know. Uh, but there was a lot of different comic book films, superhero films being thrown out there. So I love being able to come up here and talk about some of, some of my favorites. And I'm going to uh, dig through the archives and see what else I can do. Because um, uh, I, I could talk about Dark, Dark Knight ad, ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. But but I'm sure there's some other things that I might be able to to help you uh, fill, fill in those gaps with. So Okay, awesome. I, I'll let you know, sir. Yeah, well, you know, well, you know what? Uh tossing this out there there's still the michael bain ninja turtles movies we haven't covered those yet uh, <laughs> uh sorry i can't do it can't do it <laughs> although I we do to... have the the cgi one uh from the early 2000s if you're doing 2007 i'm in okay so we'll have to we'll, we'll, we'll talk to mark that, that one yeah. down we'll we'll, yeah. we'll get we'll get that one on the calendar here uh all eventually right. all right but uh, i love the 2007 one yeah. the michael bay one the first one i had on blu-ray and i watched it once and i was like this ain't this ain't me <laughs> and i never never messed with the second one yeah you know i heard the second one's apparently better i mean yeah but it, it, <laughs> he it, said it, i mean it, it's better in no. the sense that um a rotten steak is better than a rancid steak oh okay, so it's better enough. in that sense but... but but speaking about michael bay what about have you done any transformers uh no we haven't done any of those 
Okay. Cause I, cause I've, I've kind of been wanting to do a little bit on the, on the, at least the first three transformers, maybe. Okay. I've not seen the, the last two that came out. Um, but we could totally talk about how I think, uh, dark of the moon is the best movie in the franchise at some point too. So okay. 2007 turtles and, and the first three transformers We'll we'll have to do that. Okay. Well, too. yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see about getting those set up off mic, yeah, but, man. um, but until Absolutely. then, uh, tell people where they can find you. You, they can find me on the show talking about Transformer. <laughs> um, <laughs> hyphenuniverse.com is where you'll find all my podcasts. And um, I got a YouTube channel as well. Uh, it's just Hyphen Universe. You can uh, subscribe, check out my videos and all that stuff. You can be part of the 63 subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also you can find me on social medias uh, at the hyphen on Twitter, the B hyphen on Instagram and hyphen universe on Facebook. Let me know what's up, please. I appreciate okay. any of that. And as for us, uh, SuperheroCinephiles.com is the website, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, if you sign up for the Patreon, you get these episodes a week in advance. And you also get the um, companion podcast, uh, Superhero Cinephiles Book Club, where we talk about comics and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Kel, thanks again for coming on. Always a good thanks time. Thanks for having me. And I love filling in, filling in for the big guy, man. Anytime, anytime, man. I'm, I'm sure he'd be very happy to know that you're filling in on occasion here. He better be. <laughs> I, I, I listen to a lot of Billy Ocean, Derek, and I think of you. I'm like, I'm like every time. No, actually, I, I, every time I hear Billy Ocean, I think of you, Derek, and the time that you danced at, at the, the, that show and you said, you show anybody this, I'll kill you. <laughs> and then I posted it after you passed. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Not sorry, but you were having a great time. So man. you better move aside for any lightning bolts from <laughs> coming down. <laughs> I know he, he might go doom fingers on me. Who knows? You're coming up here with me, buddy. All right. <laughs> uh, that does it for this episode of Superhero Cinephiles. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you'll get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.